Welcome to Gippsland Anglicans on Air. You're with Libby Willems, and today we're speaking with Daniel Lowe and Jack Beamish. Daniel wrote an article in the March 2023 edition of the Gippsland Anglican titled Master Dogs, Teens and Rebellious Faith. Welcome, Daniel. Welcome, Jack. Thanks, Libby. Great to be here and great to have Jack with us as well. Uh, Jack and I talk a little bit occasionally about uh, young people and nurturing faith, and uh, so it would be good to share some of our thoughts. Just to, I guess, give some context, the, the inspiration for the article was a uh, an ABC TV show called Mustard Dogs, a reality TV show, which really struck me uh, because of the the relational aspect of it. It's a it was a beautiful series and picked up on the basically the idea of a um, a group a litter of kelpie pups were farmed out to uh, different trainers, different farmers that trained them up. Uh, but what made the show so beautiful was the relationships that formed between the the farmers, the, the trainers, and their their pups. And it struck me watching the the series. It just struck me the similarities in that sort of relationship um, between a dog trainer or, and and their pup, and between parents and teenagers, teachers, youth ministers, uh, uh, older people and and teenagers as we nurture their faith. Um, obviously, people are more complicated than dogs, but uh, dogs are uh, beautiful things, and uh, and it was a nice image for me. So that's what kind of prompted the article and a uh, few things that came out of it. One of the um, one of the first things I guess that I thought about then was just what it's like to uh, to nurture and, and and bring up teenagers. And I come at it from a, a few different angles. Um, I was a, a church youth minister and, uh, and now a school chaplain, and I'm also a parent of two teenagers. So uh, it struck me on a, a number of levels. Um, but that idea that teenagers will constantly, like puppies, push boundaries and test your patience and uh, do all those things that frustrate you, but uh, then can also be uh, wonderfully well compliant, but but grow. You see them grow and, and mature. Um, it's been brought home to me, particularly at the moment. I, I do have a puppy of my own in the house, uh, and so I've been uh, reminded of some of those frustrations and joys that uh, that come with it. But just thinking about that from, uh, I guess from uh, from a teaching perspective. And Jack, this is something that that you're kind of in the thick of too. Um, mm. Jack's uh, both youth minister and teacher himself. Um, but thinking about the way that we have to um, deal with teenagers and allow them to be themselves and to have their own individual personality and find their own way, but at the same time um, having that role of challenging them, directing them, nurturing them, uh, I guess in in faith and and in uh, what in the classroom in, in whatever context we're teaching. Um, and Jack, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, but the 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 whole question of of boundaries uh, was an, an interesting one for me. And uh, yeah, the looking at the the dog trainers with their dogs, and there's a point at which they have to protect a pup from significant dangers, that snakes or getting kicked by cattle. The same with with teenagers. There are things, there are boundaries that are kind of hard boundaries that uh, we need to protect their their safety. But then. There's also those other boundaries that I, I remember once, I don't know if I read it or heard it somewhere, the idea that 
uh, you sort of change the boundaries as they get older. So for a, for a younger kid, the boundaries are, are pretty hard. They're kind of brick wall boundaries that that there is there is no going beyond them. And as the uh, the responsible adult, you're kind of enforcing those boundaries. But then by by about year nine, what you want is rubber wall boundaries. So they're still really firm, but they're, they're kind of rubbery. So kids can throw themselves at the boundaries and really test them out. Um, and then they gradually get more porous as as kids get older um, and move into that young adulthood stage. That applies both in the classroom and as a parent, uh, I've found too. And and I guess in youth ministries, they're probably a similar thing. But Jack, I'm interested in in your mm. thoughts. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 um it's interesting, Daniel. I think because sometimes for young people. Um, it's not a it's not a straight line, I guess. The the progression um, as they're sort of as your as a young person is growing older and going through those those different stages, and um, and as people in their life um, we're guiding them and sort of um, overseeing seeing that transition. Uh, but it's not it's not always a straight line, and so there's challenges that can sort of arise when. Um, different kids and, and, and especially it is in that when, when they're in the thick of it in that middle teen years, 14, 15, 16, where you might have a 15 year old that's very quite mature, kind of ready to, to make, take on life a bit more, be a bit more independent. Um, whereas on the other hand, you might have a, a 16 or 17 year old that's really might be, Claiming they're sort of ready for for certain levels of responsibility, but the truth is is that it's not always it's not always that straightforward. And so um and so I know and 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 I have this sort of often come up in um in my two roles. So I'm a I'm a teacher um, and I teach uh, young people in years nine, ten, and eleven mostly. Um, and also I'm the the, the youth minister at at Warrigal Anglican Church. And so there's this interesting dynamic I find between my Two roles, wherein as a teacher, um, often having to be naturally, you you often find yourself in in a much more of a sort of disciplinarian sort of state, where you're you you're coming at things from the sort of the the goal of of education in mind and understanding that we've got to get these kids all working together um, in the classroom to to come together for the goal of learning. Um, but we're in, in the context of, of youth ministry, it's much more relational and it's much more sort of about exploring with young people their their relationship with God um, in a much more sort of collaborative approach. Um, but it's 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 funny, and my and my point being that I I often find these two like the 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 difference in boundaries in between kids in different stages of their life. It's hard to reckon with sometimes because you will have kids in a school context that that can be they'll get together with their with their mates and they'll sort of they'll start mucking around and all this sort of stuff. Um, but in a one on one in a relationship context, the boundaries can actually be quite different because it's much easier to to chat to them. It's much easier to build relationship with, um, and and really that that building relationship. Um, component is just is really key, I think, and and actually points to um, that discussion, that similarity, I guess, between the um, the puppy and the trainer about um, training young pups up in into their into their role. I think. 
Yeah, and there's there's probably a crossover there too because I, I mean I agree the the relationship is is key in in all of those scenarios. Um, and one of the interestingly um, with some training training dogs training puppies at the moment the big thing you always read is about how the the dog the pup's got to feel safe and it's going to learn when it feels safe and that's uh, exactly the same as what we see with kids that uh, in whatever context they have to feel safe to be able to then grow. And so, as you say, in the kind of church youth group context where um, the, the the vibe is a bit more relaxed, they're there, mostly they're there because they've chosen to be there. Um, the, the relationship is perhaps different, but the whole point of it is that they it's a safe space for them to, um, to talk and to challenge and to have some fun and explore their faith. It's um, the same in the classroom. The, the context is different, so the... Um, that some of the rules are different, the nature of the relationship is different with a teacher, but it still boils down to do you have does the teacher build a good rapport and a good relationship with the with students? Um, and it's a different relationship, but it's still that's what's critical. You see in a you see in a classroom where there's no the relationship hasn't been built, uh, things go pretty pear shaped uh, pretty quickly. And you know, I know for myself, if there's a kid that I just can't seem to connect with or can't kind of find that way in it's always a struggle um until you find that relational connection um that it's uh, a really really important thing the other the other principle that that i love and uh, i don't know if i've i've seen you use this jack in talking to kids at, at youth group and uh it's it became a useful one as a parent too the the idea of the, the enough rope principle where if uh, kids, particularly kids and older kids, you know, you're 15, 16, 17-year-olds, where they're really pushing ideas and challenging uh, ideas and, and what they've, the, the beliefs and ideas they've been they've been brought up with and, and what they own, their own thinking is. Sometimes, and we can all, we all be great idealists and kids are great idealists sometimes, um, but when they throw out these ideas that my first reaction might be, oh, that's, that's not going to fly, that's so flawed, but rather than to jump in and say no, no, that's that's not a um, that's not a good good idea, or rather than correct them, that idea of giving them enough rope and actually going with it and saying, oh, okay, well, if if that, then does that doesn't that mean this? And kind of step them through the the logic of their thinking, or or if it's a faith question, kind of step them through the implications then of. Now, if you're saying God's like this, then what does that mean? That means this, that means this. Um, and eventually it's that idea that if you give them enough rope, they find out for themselves the, the kind of strengths and weaknesses. Um, and I, I go like what you said, it's, it's never a straight line with kids um, or with adults for that matter. I don't think we ever stop going in a pretty zigzag line in our, our faith and certainly that's been my experience um, but yeah, it, to to kind of go down those side paths and um, be be allowed to test things out and be allowed to hold a view that that maybe we look back on and think, oh well, that was pretty flawed. But um, but people had the the graciousness uh, to kind of go with it, and I can certainly remember key times for me growing up where that was important, where I, I had some I had some ideas about faith that. That I look back now and think, oh goodness, that, what was I thinking? But I also recognise the the people around me, the older people around me, uh, were willing to kind of um, go along with that and and push me and challenge me, but um, accept that that I was, you know, it was a, a valid point of view that I was putting forward and treat me with that maturity 
um, within a safe context. It comes back down to that relationship in the end, which is probably uh, probably the, the the second thing that the article um, kind of prompted for me in my thinking was not just about uh, how we we nurture young people, but then it got me reflecting on my own relationship with God as well. Um, and and what that looks like, and a few things that struck me from from the moment I became a father myself, there was a whole aspect about um, my relationship with God and what God was like that made a whole lot more sense to me. Um, and that's not to say that you have to be a parent yourself to understand it, but it it just clicked for me um, as I kind of went into the world of parenthood all the stuff that I kind of knew, but to experience it, um, that relationship between a, a parent and a child, and and it, it's you see it is similar in, in other in other ways. That that relationship that we have when we're trying to um, nurture a young person and bring them up, and the frustration when they um, are being recalcitrant and uh, all all of those things, and the fear that we have for for them if we don't want them to be hurt. A whole lot of that came out, and it, again, I just I looked at the the mustard dog pups and and the the trainers and um, that balance that they had to have of and these were dogs that were being bred to work, um, bred to get out there and do a job. So they had to be in the rough and tumble, but uh, they also, as they learnt, they had to have some some sort of protection. But you can't, you couldn't sort of keep them away from the cattle or anything and it's kind of I guess it's the same for us and it's the same with, with young people that they they're going to have to be out in the rough and tumble at some point we can't constantly protect them so so how do you how do you um, find that balance between um, giving them the tools that they need to uh, make sense of the, the the world and the things that life throws at them and and hold on to a, a really sound faith um, in that, and I guess I mean that's that's your bread and butter in some ways, Jack. The uh, from a youth ministry perspective, that um, strengthening kids' faith and preparing them for for the world. Yeah, it, it's quite tricky, and it, it's quite difficult because there's this funny dynamic about um, around youth ministry and when when you're working with with young people, which is that um, you've only and it's and it's quite it's quite different to other to other context other sort of ministry context in that you've got you've only got about let's say they the young person is is there with you from year seven that you've only got about five years or so with them before they spread their wings if you like before they sort of they head off out into the world and that's a sort of a, a very hard boundary a, a hard limit that you come up against like there's no it, it and it, which is of course is healthy because it would be completely bizarre. Like if it, it doesn't at all sound healthy for kids to want to stay in youth group, but the, after they're an adult. But uh, but of course you come up against this limit, and so um, it's this very it's a very tricky line to take with kids that are in that older stage about how do you sort of uh, how do you handball them over if you like to themselves because. You are, and and it's something obviously parents uh, have to deal with even <laughs> to a much greater extent. But as as youth group for for ideally for many kids is their sort of their primary uh, point.
point of call for their faith experience, for their relationship with God and whatnot. And so, but of course, it's not meant to be like that forever. And of course, a, a healthy relationship with God is one that's uh, sustainable unto oneself. So that's something that they decide to take up um, daily and and work on without coming along to youth group every week without having something like that, even though th- those are important things and those are th- those sort of regular routines are all things we should be doing. Uh, but ideally, you want them to take control of their own faith. And so then how do you go about achieving that transition quite well? Um, and the truth is it's, it's something I think we get wrong a lot of the time. I, and, and I'm going to say, I'm going to point out, I could point out issues without a lot of solutions, unfortunately, but it's it's something often that we are still trying to figure out how do we do it well, um, how do we do it okay, and how do we do it poorly? And I think we know how we do it poorly, which is just by pushing them off the off the edge of the cliff and going, all right, time to fly without any without any sort of harness or safety equipment there, um, but obviously we know that we we shouldn't just be handling it like that, but also um, is it necessarily the the alternative? Often is might be all right if these young people are going off to university. Let's get them hooked in with a sort of um, the Christian Union group at their university, or with a with a young adults Bible study, or those sort of things. Um, and those things are great, and they were very significant for me um, when I was at that stage in my life. Uh, but also, there's a risk with those sort of things that you might just be kicking the can down the road, so that you might sort of just be going, all right, well. These kids aren't coming to youth group anymore, but here's a sort of a proxy for that in the form of young adults ministry or whatever it might be. Um, And the truth is what there isn't really a substitute for is actually just equipping them with the real skills that that they might be lacking. What does it mean to open your Bible and enjoy a passage of Scripture and spend time in that passage? What does it mean to... Uh, to pray daily and to to have a, a really significant and substantial relationship with your Creator. What does it mean to to worship regularly? What does it mean to these sort of quite practical questions? But often, sometimes we sort of can miss out on those because we spend so much time in dealing with. Well, let's make sure that these kids know different stories. Let's make sure that they understand sort of your classic. Christian language, all those sort of things, but we we can get so caught up in that sort of stuff that we miss out on the on the really practical stuff that seems so fundamental. And you might go, well, if a if a child has been raised in church, they should have that. Um, but the the truth is, it's not something that they're necessarily automatically imbued with just by a matter just by nature of the fact that they've been coming to youth group for, or church for so long. And so I think focusing on those sort of um, those sort of key fundamentals are what's can be really useful when you are seeing young people take that transition into the world because they they then have the skills that they need to wrestle with uh, issues that the world will throw at them and 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 the relationship between their faith and society and things like that. And so if you don't equip them with those skills, well then it's sort of like pushing someone off into a lake without teaching them to swim really, I think. It's um, it's a it's a very important thing that you should uh, you should look at. 
There is uh, there is one bit of reassurance. Actually, I totally agree with you that it's uh, it's the the challenge of uh, trying to figure out how we're, whether we're doing it right or not, and you, you discover you're doing it wrong when it, it doesn't kind of work out. But um, the the research suggests, and I think uh, Dave Perriman might have made reference to this in a, a previous uh, segment of uh, Gippsland Anglicans on air, um, talking about intergenerational ministry. That the the research shows that one of the critical things is just having an older person. Um, connected to them. So again, it's the relationship there and that having that older person. So uh, it's a bit of a reassurance for the chaplains and the youth ministers of the world that uh, we might not get everything right, but the most important thing is to to be there and be that older person um, building that relationship, uh, which is encouraging. I, I, I was trying to think about a, a song that uh, would work well with this sort of topic and uh, someone did suggest to me Who Let the Dogs Out would be a good one. I, I didn't think that was quite going to hit the mark. Uh, but I was struck by a, there's a Casting Crown song that I really like called uh, called Who Am I, and it uh, it sort of picks up on that idea of the, our relationship with God and, and the fact that we belong to God, and that's kind of what it all boils down to. Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt? Who am I that the bright and morning star would choose to light the way for my ever-wandering heart? Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who
because of who I am, but because of what you've done, not because of what I've done, but because of who Daniel Lowe and Jack Beamish, who are talking about mustard dogs, teens and rebellious faith. The mustard dog article um, picked up on the, the idea. I admitted in the article that uh, a lot of the time we see in the Bible, we get referred to as sheep. Um, and, and I kind of get why that is, but it, it sort of annoyed me because I don't want to think of myself as a sheep. I'd much rather think of myself as a mustard dog. Um, but then I have to admit I'm probably more of a mustard dog puppy. I'm, I'm not not really well trained, well um, well managed when it comes to um, my my relationship with God. But but I also get why we are referred to as sheep and uh, that that idea of being totally reliant on God. But I wanted to see what resonated with you because for me I love the um, the, the puppy image. And there's another reason for that that I'll, I'll get to. But but what do you resonate with more? Are you happy to be a sheep or or do you like do you like the puppy? image mm, I think I, I think I am happy to be a sheep although I, I I get the the frustration with it and I and I certainly feel it too that it it, it uh, like it, it it often gets bandied around as a as a term of sort of almost some sort it's got it's got a lot of negative connotations to it sheep like you'll you'll hear people sort of especially in arguments or whatnot oh you're you're the sheep, or or it gets you, you'll hear in movies discussions about oh, sh- wake up sheeple, all this sort of discussion around like as if um, being a being one of the sheep is this sort of very negative thing, perhaps implying that you're sort of following along without without asking questions or without uh, finding your own path. Um, but I I think and I and I do get the that that sort of that line of thinking about it. Um, 
and and I see, I think there's a lot of uh, benefits in there's a lot of sort of interesting ideas tied up in the in the mustard dog analogy. But I do I, I actually don't mind um, thinking about ourselves as sheep just because I, I think there's a real humility in that. I think there's this um there's this lovely sort of admittance that well you know what like why should I trust myself to find my own path why why should I trust myself to sort of trailblaze for myself when the truth is is that actually I do need guidance actually I do need uh I do need a shepherd to to guide me through and so I think often in in a in a world that's all that's often all about sort of blazing our own trail and finding our own truth and this sort of thing I think there is a lot of humility in just going you know what no I'm I'm actually happy to be the sheep and I'm happy to be led by by a good shepherd um that said I I I do think there's a lot of fun and there's a lot of sort of um interesting ideas in thinking about us as the as the the mustard dogs as well when it comes to sort of the and and that perhaps paints a very uh a very truthful picture of our sort of rebellious nature, doesn't it? And the way we, um, the way in which our journeys are far from these straightforward paths where we're where we're constantly following the the straight and narrow. But the truth is, is that just like the the testing of boundaries that that young people and go through and that dogs go through when they're training, but we we're all the same in that we we often will have periods in our life where we're really we're, we're being trained really well by the trainer and there are other times in our life when you know what we might be pushing the boundaries a little bit we might be being a little bit rebellious um so i, I think it's a fun i think it's a fun idea that idea of us as the as the puppies um, but also i do think there's a lot of humility in just going you know what i'm actually completely content with being one of the sheep uh, Jack, you're a, you're a wiser man than me. I, I I think I should lean into the sheep uh, image a lot more, and and I certainly I do uh, I do agree that it is a very powerful and helpful image. Um, let me tell you why I like the mustard dog the, the mustard dog puppy image though, and I think it tells us something different to uh, to the sheep image, which is really important. Um, and it's that idea that God calls us to to work, calls us to a task, um, and the. Maybe this is just a cultural reflection on how we think about sheep and dogs in in a modern farming context, uh, but that that idea that right from the beginning, you know, that picture painted in Genesis of, of God calling us to bring order to the garden, um, right through that, that we're we're called to be a part of God's redeeming work in the world. And so, I guess while I, on the one hand, um, can lean into that idea that I am like a sheep in that I'm totally dependent on the, the shepherd, totally dependent on God. But I also like the idea that that I have a job to do, that I'm called to a good work, and it's it's not my work. It's just like the, the mustard dog. It's not their sheep to to round up. Um, it's it's the shepherd that's or, you know the farmer that's that's managing it all. Um, but but I'm a part of it. I've got a role to play, and the good mustard dog plays their role best when they are totally obedient to to the handler. Um, and I, I'm the same. I'm at my best when I'm totally obedient to God, but knowing that I I have a job to do, I have a task. Uh, and that's that's why I love the mustard dog uh, illustration as well. And like why I like to think of myself more as a, a mustard dog than a sheep. But, uh, and you, yeah, you brought this out well, I also have to acknowledge that um, I am such a puppy still. When it comes to obedience to God, I can be 
the most recalcitrant and rebellious and fickle kind of puppy um, that sometimes needs some firm correction and always needs that that gentle love and and relationship, um, which is uh, which is where that image of of God as as shepherd, you know, the idea of Jesus as the good shepherd, um, the good whether it's a good shepherd, a good uh, dog handler, stock handler, it all kind of works. Um, nothing, none of the images make sense without the right. Uh, shepherd at the helm uh, and so that's that's the thing that really does it for me. Daniel Lowe, Jack Beamish, thank you so much. I can't believe a half hour has gone so fast and it's been a wonderful conversation listening to you explore further the article that you wrote for the Gippsland Anglican. Listeners can find that article on the Gippsland Anglican website at www.gippslandanglicans.com .org.au and go across to the news tab where you'll find previous copies of the Gippsland Anglican. You're looking for March 2023. Thank you to our guests today and a thanks always to Life FM for their part in bringing this program to life. Uh, we'll see you again next week. Bye for now.